Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. And I've got a wonderful guest for you today to talk about the over 40, the second breath, positive aging, and so much more. And she is Lyra Kay. Welcome, Lyra. Yes, I'm so excited yeah. to be here, Clarissa. <laughs> I know, and we both wore yellow. But I know, and I just changed it like literally 30 seconds ago. So I was like getting your vibe. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> And I just to tell you, listeners, that Lyra is an international artist, futurist, celebrity guide. She's worked with lots of well-known people and CEOs for more than 30 years. And what I really love about her work now is talking about the post-pandemic. Where are we going? What's our society going to look like? And with people who are joining her in this conversation, putting up radical ideas and solutions for us all the way to 2050. It's very exciting. Very exciting, Lyra. Thank you. But thank I, you for the introduction. And of course, you've been part of the panel as well. So it's always a discussion, a conversation about the future, which uh, I'm going to touch. I'm sure I'm going to explain why I did that, because it's all ties into the 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 theme of today's conversation absolutely totally i think that that in a very exciting conversation which is out there on youtube about the future of men and women post this pandemic era yeah but lira i'd love to start with talking about really the 40s, aging 40 and awakening, because I know that has been yeah. part of your own journey. Share a little bit about your journey and what you see as well coming through for the people that you are connected to and work with. Yeah, this is very interesting age, actually. Um, I've just turned 50 this year. So now I had the whole scope. I had the whole 10 years of being in my 40s and seeing uh that specific transformation happened with me. And of course, otherwise, I've been studying it since my 20s as a psychotherapist. I've been working with it, with it for the past 30 years with tons of, you know, thousands of different people in all different forms. Because really, what I, when I'm thinking of uh, 40s, I'm thinking of spiritual awakening. Because there are so many other things that could be happening. But spiritual awakening is something that I'm seeing people just have to sort of deal with and, and come to. It just happens at that age. I'm sure it happens in other ages too. But at 40, it's special. And when I started looking and my first um, 
my paper in college was called Spiritual Awakening Through Personal Crisis. So what I, because I was studying, obviously, you know, identity crisis, existential crisis, all different crises, that was the kind of theme of um, my work. And hugely inspired by my parents, who were, of course, <laughs> in their 40s, <laughs> going through yeah. their crises, literally uh, the classics, uh, you know, existential crisis. I just really saw it. Um, and um, midlife crisis, that's what it's called. So I was really interested in how, uh, what it is. And I was interested, I tell you, as, as a sort of very, on a selfish way, I didn't want to go through it. I said, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to go crazy. I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to kind of be in that panicky mode. I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to get sporadic. Um, you know, seeing what my, my mom and dad did at the time. Bless their hearts. I so understand them. But yeah. nevertheless, in my 20s, I was observing and kind of horrified and thinking, no, 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 I'm going to do it differently and I'm going to prepare. So I'm one of those people who was like very aware young, at young age that, okay, this is a, not a great example. I want to have different something different for myself. And then what do I need to know? What do I need to do now? So that is always kind of a very pragmatic question. Yes. When I'm thinking about the future, it's always the same. Hey, in 2050, what's going to happen? But what are we going to do now so we actually end up in this beautiful vision we want? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and did you already then at 20 formulate some plans and make some changes for what would happen in 40? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, partially... Uh, so it's interesting because I, I feel like I'm always a little premature in everything. <laughs> like as soon as I get idea, I start experimenting on me. So I guess as soon as I thought of spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. I was immediately started going through it myself. So I was like probably 20 years old. And there was this funny story. I mean, I, I do say it when I'm mentioning crisis of 40 years old and spiritual awakening at 40 um, is that at 20, I did a pilgrimage into a um, monastery. I, 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 I grew up in Estonia. So, uh, and I actually went to over the border to Russia to monastery because I, <laughs> I had this real strange calling. I wanted to be a nun. I was very, very spiritual my whole life. But I'm like, like, there's nothing about me that will tell you that I'm a nun. Like, definitely zero. <laughs> no, you have five daughters. <laughs> I'm not a nun. <laughs> but, you know, at 20, I, was, I had that kind of, you know, 20-year-old. I guess I had, like, a fantasy. So, and, so I made that pilgrimage actually with my friend, uh, who was also an artist, also kind of uh, sort of in, in her head, I guess. We both... Uh, did that and when we came there what i saw is that all those nuns in this monastery uh basically you know it's very strict rules and etc 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 however i was kind of looking as an outsider and i saw that they uh also have their own trivial lives there they also gossip they also squabble there's some dynamic going on <laughs> so i was like well how is this different like how is it that i'm going to be so pure and avoid all those troubles of life you know and i don't have to live this hard life i don't have to break my heart i don't have to do all of those things that we really what life consists of and i can just be a nun just sit there and just pray and just all all be good 
And I was just, frankly speaking, disappointed. I was like, well, this is all the same. Like all that dynamic that I don't, didn't like, I, uh, I saw it right there in front of me. So I came back and I felt like, okay, well, I guess I have to live my life then. I have to then, I have to participate then. Okay, okay, let's just then see what's what I have to do. So I had that kind of a little bit of that attitude when I was in my 20s. And I know that, you know, in my 40s, this is when I first, and myself, when I kind of came into my 40s, I, for the first time, I realized I have a body. It's like that whole cycle of that attitude. Oh, I have to live this life then on this earth and be with you people and talk and have babies and get married, blah, 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 make money, all of that stuff. Like I was kind of yeah, like yeah. always a little yeah. bit uh, resentful of that. And at 40 years old, I'm like literally, it's my birthday. I have five kids. I've traveled the world. I live in a beautiful house. I have my husband. Like I, mean, I went through lots of tragedies in between that. So... I lived a full life already, and then I'm suddenly realizing I want to be here. I want to tell everybody. I'm like, I want to be here. This is a privilege that I've been born, that I have a body, that I have flesh, I have brain, I have heart, I have boobs, like I have everything. This is good. And I was just for the first time enjoying my myself physically as well i was like where had i been this whole time <laughs> so i call it a spiritual awakening because for me it was awakening to get out of my head into my body yeah yeah and it's it so is very important. spiritual because because if you're human i'm a very spiritual person in the sense that i, I always as a kid i sense that we have some kind of purpose that we are not here just for us that there's a something about this body and humanness that is important but at 40 i actually realized oh that's what it is to be human is a very special experience it is yes you're gonna have your pain yes you're gonna have your heartbreak yes you're gonna have your blah blah, blah. but this is what what you're here for you are here for that experience and all the joys and all, all everything. So my life after 40 became much more grounded. I myself became much more grounded. People started like I, I had, uh, you know, I, I think I was perceived a little bit. I was a, an artist and I worked did big sort of workshops, tons of people. So it was big, big, larger than life kind of life. And yes. then, um, I think people also perceived me as somebody always on the go, somewhere in the clouds, in the heads, like, oh, you know, 300 miles an hour ideas and stuff. And then suddenly I was like, you know what? I like my my food. I like my tea. I like my walks. I like my family. Like, I, I love all of those things suddenly. And luckily I had a good, you know, big family. I had my five kids just by miracle, I don't know how, I because I, I didn't even feel maternal, <laughs> but suddenly I felt <laughs> maternal, suddenly I wanted to, I was interested, and um, so it's a, it's a big thing, to, I think, to come back to, to that humanness, and I, I think it's very spiritual, it's as spiritual as it, as it could get. Yeah, I agree, I think a lot of the time, 
you know, I've talked to my listeners here about being kind of lost in your head. Yeah. And we're a bit disconnected from the present. Uh, and, and you've really kind of summed that up too, is that we become embodied and that is a beautiful full spirit because that's the mind and the body the whole and the soul that's the whole connection beautiful yeah Yeah. really beautiful but i mean then you've talked a lot about that change in your 40s not only becoming embodied but how did it change the way that you were working and showing up in the world Lyra? well um at 40 it didn't happen for i think like you know it took a lot of time you know to sort of first of all oh my gosh i'm i'm a human okay then uh, a couple of years later i moved i moved from i was in boston at the time i uh, moved to california so california is very entrepreneurial and you know and i'm from europe and i lived in france i lived in england so it's not really entrepreneurial now I can I can tell. <laughs> okay, so I was quite puzzled—not not puzzled. I would say inspired uh, by the opportunities that can really like. I really love this. Like, if I make effort, then I can make things happen. So you know, when I was thinking, I was doing so much work before that especially working with community and with people as an artist, as a big project. So I was not, it's not like I didn't do the work, but at now 42, I I wanted to also make money. I wanted to see how can this translate into something tangible, something practical for me, because now at this point I have kids, they have to go to college. So I'm thinking ahead a little bit. Okay. Like trivial stuff. Why don't I do the same thing? How can I figure out that it's going to be my business? And I'm telling you, that was a huge journey. So the whole change that happened within me, more ground, grounding, grounding, because I mean, that grounding at 40 into my body was one thing. Now grounding into reality of what it takes to be successful is very different from even just being physical. So (laughs) big, long journey. A lot of learning, a lot of failures, a lot of up and ups and downs, a lot of um, pushing through and willpower and, and challenges and, and challenging myself and a lot of courage to go for it and not to give up. Uh, that's what really took me to become actually very successful at business. And to the point where um, at this point I'm, I'm teaching it, okay, I'm mentoring, I, I do all of those amazing miracles for other people but what i understand is that you know i think it's for women as well because you know or maybe for sensitive women maybe for women who are like a little bit like myself a little bit kind of out there they're not really like um have that pedigree of business behind them or, or that that kind of work i i i barely ever had nine to five i'm just not normal I'm, i can't do this it's not my thing so um so to be disciplined suddenly to be i think it's harder for women who are very creative i don't know how to describe us those kind of women so and 
so that's in itself was a it, the transformation that showed up because it's tangible. So there I am making money, a lot of money with my work, with very creative, very outlandish work. But really being strategic, being focused, being like just uh, my ambition was always about how, how can I be more courageous than I was yesterday? So, I mean, that's my 40s. Like, I, it gives me chills. What a bliss. What an amazing life. Like, I so love that uh, journey. I think I'm in a different place right now. But that, um, I would say that uh, the, the whole, my 40s was, you know, it was very ambitious, especially ambitious towards myself. Like, Lyra, you've been, because I've done a lot of things already. So that was, I wasn't looking for fame or for, like, uh, I need more stuff. I was pretty well off in my life, you know, and I think I'm kind of a minimalist anyway, so I don't really care so much about <laughs> whatever. Everybody, I'm, I'm sure it's good to, <laughs> to care about. I just don't care about that stuff. But um, but I was always, uh, one thing about me, I was I didn't want to get bored with myself. If If I'm doing the same thing, I said, if I do things with my left foot, when in my sleep, I, I'm not interested in doing that tomorrow because it's done. I want to do something that is stretching me, that is interesting, that is inspiring. And so I was leaning into new things. And, and you know, like I, I transitioned from painting to writing, from big public projects to working on with VIPs at very, very high level, you know. So I was kind of just really looking at things I've never done. and. All of that took transformation. So it wasn't like, a, yeah. it wasn't an easy ride. It wasn't a given. It's not like, oh, just do it. No, I had to become different in order to, to be able to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So all my little uh, things that I've done um, in, in this past, let's say, 10 years had been challenging, but in a, in a voluntary way, I <laughs> volunteered for that. <laughs> Yes, me, please. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I was the first one in a freaking wherever. Who, who, me, me. It's, it's, and it's not typical for me. I, I don't really like, um, you know. So it's, I think for me, yeah, forties had been, you know, probably the most adventurous time of my life, actually. And you know, I'm looking forward to my fifties and uh, older, but I can definitely look back for my forties and say. Wow, what a firecracker. Good for wow. her. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> and that's amazing because I think a lot of women do see 40 as a bit of this change and some of them are worrying about getting older. But I think you're showing Lyra. You like <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean at 40 I was I moved Maybe. to another part of the world and I and I started a new career and all sorts of things. So I think in our 40s we can be very adventurous, but for some women it's not like that. Yeah. No, no. But how do you feel, even though you're just in your fifties, that is that the same or is are you feeling a shift, a shift in the energy around being fifty? Definitely, definitely a shift. It's been, of course, pandemic. Um, can I say pandem pandemic helped or pandemic didn't help? <laughs> because <laughs> I think I think it's prolonged the whole process. Maybe because I really, really had like a two years 
of just sitting um, kind of isolated. I, I'm, I'm a big introvert, but introvert who's very well adjusted, obviously working with tons of people. So, but I, I do love that time for me. I always take it because I'm just aware that if you don't do it, you'll, you'll just, you know, you'll end up like my mom or my dad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I was, so I was like, okay. So I've been always very good practice of self-care, self-love, by the way, journey up to self-love at forties. Oh my God. All I had to learn that. Like, no, no, I did not love myself. No, I did not care. Like, I mean, obviously. So that's journey. So now at 50, I'm very aware. I'm very equipped. I'm extremely good at loving myself. Uh, beautiful life work balance that I had to learn through being workaholic, quitting addictions, like working on that. Like there was, it's not an easy path, but I figured it out. So at this time, I'm living in Hawaii. I have the beach out of my house. I have this gorgeous view, gorgeous house, like everything to dream this, dream that. You, you know, I still have little kids, perhaps five, so they're from 25 to 12 year olds. I have my husband. So um, it's a second marriage as well. So maybe people want to know in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> so well, many things happened in between that. So, yeah. uh, you know, so... I think what happened that pandemic made me kind of stop in my sort of this race for success. I found myself, it was exactly two years ago. I found myself uh, achieving everything I ever wanted. So I remember very distinctly thinking that professionally, financially, personally, I was really feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm on the top of my world. And as that happened, so it was like this brief moment of excitement, like, oh, look at me. Oh, yeah. You know, and then literally, I mean, it's, a, you know, I was like, so now what I'm to do? I had that question and it, it's completely ridiculous. And I know that a lot of people, they might even feel guilty, actually. I'm sure I was kind of, I didn't even want to talk about it because I was thinking people are going to say, is she, what she's complaining about, you know? She's so, you know, like, they, they, it's just this fall, fake, fake uh, poo-poo-me situation, right? I was like, well, but actually, personally, I dipped into, you know, I dipped into my childhood. So yes, I dipped into that child who was so sad, who was so traumatized, who was so anxious, who was so lost because all the cover-up that I did my whole life, proving myself going like uh challenging myself i think like now of course i can reflect on that now i'm 50 i don't yeah. i can say what i want i, I can back and I say yeah. i've been proving myself my whole life because i didn't feel i'm good enough that i'm not smart enough i'm not this enough i'm not that enough so i was like and that yeah. explains my whole life being so busy so like specifically, you know, it's like making sure that people know I'm, I made an impact because I did make yes. it. I mean, you know, I worked with, you know, literally thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people because of workshops, because of the public projects. Yes. But that hunger, that greed to to make the difference, to to make sure I'm I'm here, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. So it's suddenly all of this, boom, gone. 
Wow. So what do you put that down to? I mean, what do you put that down to? That suddenly I put that down to. So it was like very interesting moment. Um, I've just coached. You know, I'm coaching at the very very high level. I just coached my client to make make some enormous miracle type of success. She just finished, you know, and I'm taking them from really almost nowhere and and really just like whoa. And she just closed her six figure deal. And we were celebrating and we were like, oh my God. And of course, this creative work, like, I mean, I'm very into that. Uh, I love for artists, for creatives to really be rewarded for their work instead of trying to do some side hustle. So what, uh, what's not. So basically I was like, oh my gosh, look at me. I'm so good. And she, and she, of course, everybody's like, Lira, you are the best. Like, I'm like, yes, I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> and so that was the brief moment. So, um, and you know, in my own life, I just, uh, you know, not going into detail, but I've done very, very well. And, uh, you know, I was just like celebrating the, the whole thing. And, um, like I said, it just happened like, boom. So I guess that, I lost the drive. I've lost that reason, the yeah. deeper reason, not the reason that I'm telling on my, uh, you know, website to people. The reason that was actually there deep, deep, deep down buried, it's my little child, little six-year-old Lyra who decided that she's not important unless she's doing something useful for people. Yes. Yes. I get that. This sort of outward recognition. Validation. Yeah, yes. Validation. Yes. Yeah. So that's what happened. So that's what I was. So it is very internal. Nobody knows and nobody, of course, can see that in you. It's just you. I'm just feeling this. And <clears throat> as I am <clears throat> working with transformation a lot and, of course, do it for other people. So I recognize it. I was like, Lyra, don't run away from because, you know, instinct is. Oh, let's just cover it up. Let's just have a next project. I can do, you know, I have tons of, of course I can do another project. And I was like, no, stop, stop. And I remember sitting there in Hawaii. We just um, came for a holiday to celebrate, right? <laughs> so, and I'm sitting in this house and the roosters are screaming and the, this ocean yeah, pandemic, it's all shut down, so you can't even go to the beach, so it's all ridiculous. So so I I had I was forced to sit and I said, Lyra, you have time. There's nobody sitting there with a with a you know whip making you do anything. <laughs> you literally have time. So so enjoy this. It wasn't enjoyable emotionally, but of course it's enjoyable in the sense that wasn't I lucky to have two years to just sit and, and really indulge in self-reflection, transformation, um, that growth that needed healing, that needed to be happening. So I did all of that, and it was mystical. It was amazing. And it took me, it took me that long. It, I'm not saying, you know, it, I grew out my gray hair in, in a, as a, almost as a, symbol of that i told myself i want to see who i am who am i after doing all this work after being on public my whole life having those brands right that i've created and brand is a brand and now what, what is me i i didn't know because I, I was like um platinum blonde i'm actually 
naturally brunette. Isn't yeah. that interesting, right? So yeah. uh, I always had very, you know, obviously like black hair. Then when I was like late 30s, I started getting gray hair. I, I start, I became blonde just because it was easier because I was tired of yes, yes. covering up my roots. And then, uh, you know, so I was like 48, I guess. And that's when I said, okay, well, maybe it's time to actually see what is there. My husband was like, Lira, I want to see what, what you are. Like, let's just uh, look. So he was very encouraging. And... I was like, okay, let's look. What what's what what is that? And because I haven't seen myself for all those years, you see. So yeah, so two years, you know. And um, I would say just now I'm coming out on the top of it because there were times that were dark. There were times that were hopeless. There were times that when I felt completely lost just lost like i don't know what the what the heck am i doing here you know yeah. um i was i was seeing myself through the people in my life you know i have a lot of big you know my my family you know five kids yes. i was three seeing myself through their eyes i was seeing them myself through the eyes of my husband my friends my clients my community my audience i was looking at it, analyzing all of it. I'm a big analytic. I was looking and looking. And ultimately, none of it was really specifically giving me any drive or energy or motivation. I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Of course, of course. But internally, I had to find myself. So a long journey. I think I found um, th I found almost like a process how to do it for myself. So of course, of course, I'm a, like a big teacher. So of course, I teach it. It's I'm sure um, I've started talking about it. But it was about really going back. First of all, examine finding myself before any of that drive to prove myself came along. Mm. So when I was a child, really looking into what I was before I was six years old. Um, realizing I was always a kind of artist and and um, sort of I, I could see energy with my eyes. I was weird, you know. I can't <laughs> I can't do it now. But 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 I remembered that time. I was like, how was I? I was living in this world of energy and lights and and kind of I could sense things around people and I could and I would fantasize about what what is it all about and the souls and. And that was my world, a magical world. And, um, you know, and, and I didn't have actually that desire to change anything about it. I was just really looking. And, and, and if anything, I was writing poetry, I was channeling. I mean, I'm channeling always like something comes through me. So I was writing this yeah, little yeah. bit as soon as I could write. So I remembered all of that. I was like, what, a, what an interesting world that was, right? It was kind of like, just being so in touch with nature and, and people mm. in such an intimate way without feeling... <laughs> I have cat. <laughs> it's okay. So basically, yeah, so that was... That was very interesting to, to kind of to find that new forgotten self. And I've certainly... 
throughout my work, started experimenting and started showing up as an mm -hmm. artist more, as a, somebody who's not um, changing anything, but somebody who is doing something with, with me and just being very open about it and just like, well, mm -hmm. that's how I work. I work with me. I am the, the one that is the instrument or the, the, the spectacle, if you want, yeah and and if you want when we talk about like maybe specific personality types there, there are some types for whom it's it's actually necessary and uh we can also so we can talk about psychology behind it and we can talk about why is it important for anybody not just myself yes maybe yes that's, yes, that's yes. yes but I, I think you've described this time now post the pandemic as well as your second breath yes Yes. So I in, in a sense, you've been on this two-year journey and now the second breath. I'm, it's a very exciting concept and I just share more about it. Yeah, find your second breath because that's how I felt. I felt that I was burnt out. I can say it now. Okay, when I was in the process, of course, I didn't feel any of it because especially people who know me, they would say, Lyra, you're so chill very very good life work balance that i worked very hard to to get so mm. um to even be able to allow myself to even be this way right so it's not from the outside but from the inside i was always in a race like my brain was always uh, solving problems fixing things create creating something producing something yes. like i was not uh like it was always super super busy doesn't matter what i do i can sit on the beach and, and still think things you know yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so so yes i was burnt out from that i'm sure my body started i started getting glitches which is interesting because like kind of unexplainable pains or unexplainable sort of hints that lira like you pay attention pay attention so i was like oh i i hate doctors i'm not like i don't <laughs> Like, I, I literally never go, but I actually even had to go and check myself out. And I was like, what the heck? Nothing, of course, they found there specifically. But so I was like, okay, I guess I just have to, I have to just like, you know, I have to pay attention. I don't know what it means. Like, I have to figure out what, what does it mean, yeah. really? Yes. And um, so second breath, that was first time when I've thought about second breath. First time after that kind of health glitch. Uh, <clears throat> then, then of course, there's this whole long process, which is, uh, now I'm thinking how important it is to, uh, allow ourselves to, to, to kind of just relax into ourselves, not even relax. It doesn't have to be a passive. I don't think it's passive at all. It's just let time. It does take time, time in a mm -hmm. sense, not that it takes time. It takes time that you have to pay, give yourself attention. Yes. You can't just bypass yourself. Just no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah that's what, 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 what I mean by time. It doesn't mean it's long time or blah. It's, it's just, can you give yourself five minutes a day? I don't care if it's three minutes a day, but it has to be time <laughs> that you dedicate to yourself because... Yes. You know, I had this whole luxury of having two years to myself. Fantastic. 
maybe we all had because of the pandemic and maybe now we will not have it again who knows but i think it did show me that oh my gosh when you do spend time with yourself what can happen yeah. and and i think what does happen ultimately if you've lived okay so now we're going clinical is that okay we're going clinical. That's okay. You go <laughs> clinical. That's good. Go okay. clinical. <laughs> well, okay. So what really, ha- and those are all teachings that I've done for my clients, whom, of course, I am um, I work with very, very advanced psychotherapists, people who's done work for decades, so they, they would understand. And that's why I'm saying clinical. So it's not about diagnosis, but it's about the principle of understanding energy. So that's why I'm just yes. warning people yes. this is not the basics. So what I'm seeing is that people, let's say myself or other people, because I see that, live in the high. High. When I'm described my 40s, I was on my high. On my high horse and my high energy in my high. I can also say... I lived with a lot of anxiety, a lot of unsolved problems, lack of skills, lack of understanding uh, of um, what specifically priorities are. So you do everything just in case. You put yourself everywhere just in case. You really push yourself. It comes from anxiety. I'm not good enough. I'm not. So I'm, I'm generalizing. I'm going really straight. If you strip down all the other reasons why you did that, at the end of it, I'm just thinking that I'm just like everybody else. I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone yeah. sitting there at six years old deciding that I have to prove myself. And I think it's no. me. And no, I think that's a turning point. Of us. <laughs> so yeah, so many of us around that time think, Oh, and I think that's when they say particularly girls start oh. saying things about themselves. Like, oh, no, well, I can't be a this and I can't do that. Whereas up to the age of six, I think we're very believing we I can do. And interestingly, over and over again, we show this age six, things really change. At age sort of 50, it changes again. It changes again, <laughs> exactly. So it's a full circle. Yeah. So basically, yeah. We, we if we generalize and cool it without, like I said, I'm not in a, in a pharma industry. I'm not trying to prescribe drugs. So I can cool. I can say it what it is. It's, it's an anxiety-driven behavior the whole life. So yeah. so generally, what we're doing, we, we're gaining skills to cope with, with reality. We are... Uh, we are trying to improve as much as possible, um, organize things. If you figured it out, this is the, I'm, I'm giving you guys like super, super powerful shortcuts. If you have anxiety, one of the things you need to do, you need to use that energy. This is not bad energy. It's just, it's just the nature of what, what you live, but use it wisely. And there's two things you need to do. You need to minimize and you need to focus, minimize and focus. So instead of doing 100 things, do two things perfectly and just focus on them and you will succeed. Like this is going to give you so much more um, return on your hustle comparing to I just have this very anxious mind and I need to just soothe myself with a lot of activity, which is just going to burn you out. So I call it riding the wave. So don't don't try to not to have anxiety because Yes, it, it's it's your energy for God's sake. It's good. It's good that you have because opposite is depression. This is when we, we, we talk about. <coughs> yes. But yes. 
once we hustled so much, once we lived that long, because, you know, this is uh, physiology that I did a lot of research on physiology. And one of the things, obviously, I mean, that's kind of known that when you um, stress, 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 then overload, it's depression. So depression is actually, if you're looking at depression, not as, I don't know where it came from. Only 7% is genetic. Whoever's telling that they they had a grandma with depression, she probably lived the same cycle and and you have tendencies, but it's not genetic. Very likely it's not genetic, but it is an unfortunate consequence of living with anxiety for so long and not understanding how to even, you know, really work with that. So we do with a lot of anxiety, we burn down at some point, we burn out or whatever the word is, and then we crash. So when we crash, we crash into depression. So suddenly we have a low energy. And that is, I think, what happened with me. I was in my low energy. When you are in a low energy, your body, your mind, everything works to preserve whatever they little that they've got there. They're not trying for you to go out and do anything because you just, because they know, of course, you can push yourself, but you will die. Like you, you need this energy for you. And I think we need, uh, well, that's what I did. And I, I really invite people maybe to respect ourselves in that moment and just give ourselves that time to refill, re, uh, yeah. uh, redefine what is important, uh, understand um, yourself, uh, give to yourself. And now this new complex sort of thing that I want to wave in uh, is that as you've been in anxiety for so long, and I described that, I said, I needed to serve people in order to feel good about myself, right? So here comes the positioning in life that is a position of control. I'm the leader. I'm in control. I'm the giver. So a lot of us don't know me, myself. I didn't know how to receive. So it's not like yes. people or the world or, or the business didn't want to give you back. No, you didn't receive because you are... So, so control or control freakiness, control tendencies come from, <laughs> come from yeah. a typical uh, loss of power, abuse, any kind of traumas like that. So yes. I'm sorry if it happened with you, but that's where we got those tendencies in the first place. Yeah. So it's hard to beat that. It's hard to tell somebody who is on a high horse that, you know, you need to receive because they yeah. read, receive, oh, I'm taking a risk. I'm getting off my high horse. I'm asking for things in return. And now I'm in a risk at risk of rejection, all the yeah. pain. Yes. All the pain, all the fear that we have. All and suddenly comfort. we've lost control, which is what an anxiety sufferer does. They try to Gain have control. control. Yes. Yeah, always. And I was one, so I, I understand. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know. I had to control everything. Yeah. Because if I didn't, I really seriously thought that my world will would fall apart. Exactly. Exactly. And actually when I described you my my forties, this is something I figured out. So not immediately through the burnout, like right at the beginning of my business, uh, working with like 100 clients per year for two years, like literally seeing people, five, six people a day with no lunch break. I was like crazy, two offices. So I was like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. My husband gave me an ultimatum. He said, I, I, that's it. 
I can't take this anymore. Like, what are you doing? You have five yeah. kids. You have me. And you working with all those people there. Like, mm-hmm. So I was like, it was really shocking. So I, I figured out. So what I'm talking about, minimize and focus, that's what I did. And that's why I had such a good life balance from now on, because I actually figured out that for me to be able to to actually be very productive still and use my very, very heightened, extremely ambitious energy, but in a good way, in a productive way, was to not to do 100 things, just do very, very, like super, super, like the most brilliant things I can do charge as high as as I can possibly, which is six figures, right? And and that's what became my work. So I just left everything. I put everything aside. I wasn't hustling anymore. And that's kind of saved me. But at this point, you know, I was in 50, so I'm turning 50. And, you know, that was just before turning 50, actually. When I dipped into that, I feel like it it felt like depression. It felt like something that, oh my gosh, I don't have any energy for anything. I don't, I I wanted to swear, I don't care about anything. I literally like, just leave me alone. Can I just be alone? Can I just like freaking sit here by myself? I want my ocean. I want my little, you know, this gorgeous place, but it's just, I don't want anybody. Like that was the feeling. And so when I looked into that and when I felt, so what, what is the danger of depression? Guys, I know that when we dip to this sometimes, time to time, maybe there's a natural uh, life cycles when we go through it anyways. But why is it, if you are in it, you have to start digging yourself out as, as you know, as dip, allow, cry it out, whatever you need to do there. Yes. process it heal it but you need to start getting out because if you're in a depression for too long you're gonna you're creating yourself anxiety again but not the good one because you're gonna yeah. have stuff piling up unfinished stuff that then you're gonna be like forced to attend to it and you might not want to attend to it like you attended before with this pushing through because mm-hmm. you're different you are different. You, you don't want to do it anymore. So it's like, a, there's a lot of, so there is a kind of, a, th- that's why I felt kind of in the end of the whole uh, lockdown and isolation period, I felt kind of bitter because I was ready to come out. And, and then it was just like, I felt restricted. So part of me became kind of uh, rebellious and kind of like, ah, uh, the, the, I'm ready to go, but now I can't go. So it was interesting also to sit in that and experience myself in that being very impatient, being very kind of sort of um, getting annoyed, you know, that the whole anger issues, like all of that. Yes. Like that's what I'm basically working on and creating new content about is how do you work with authority? How do you work? Uh, how do you uh, sort of heal your daddy issues? Um, I had a very yes. powerful father, so of course I, I'm sure I have tons and tons of problems there. So this mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm leaning because what it does, if you look into that, uh, tro- you know, whatever relationship with your dad you had, hopefully good one, and but if not, it doesn't matter. It's all a complex sort of a thing that maybe comes back at you at this age 
And I think it's good to look at it because what it does, it opens up faith. You know, when I'm, and I've worked with people in crisis, people who are going through horrendous stuff. And the only thing that as a spiritual teacher, I always was so happy to, to have that in me to be a spiritual teacher because I could say, listen, you have to have faith and let me help you to have it. And as a psychologist, I know that faith, even though it sounds mystical for other people, actually can be created. And it is created through healing the trauma with your father. And it is created through um, having that unshakable trust in yourself, uh, Mm. delivering on your promises, doing what you said, and of course, if you start really deeply thinking about how can I trust myself, you're going to have to land into yourself. You can't be this having those grandiose ideas you're never going to deliver on because it just puts you in a position where you lied again to yourself. You don't have integrity with yourself. Nobody knows it but you, but that's why you don't have faith because you're lying to yourself. Yes. And as soon yes. as you become honest with yourself, you start suddenly, oh my gosh, I have hope. I have faith. I will be okay. I will be okay. This world is a good place. And this is when I started the <laughs> uh, Meaningful Trends projects that you've been in as well. Yes. Yeah, I've been involved in that as well. And I think that's a really relevant message as well for my listeners who are going through this menopause transition and thinking, oh, this is never going to end. There's a lot of anxiety and depression. And then this sort of keeping faith message that you've given there, Lyra, is so vital because there we see if we can believe in ourselves, do less. I'd be saying to every listener, every woman on the planet, do less, just focus because we are juggling a thousand balls that we probably don't need to juggle as many. And then we will be in a much better place for this second breath, this next stage in life. Yeah. Beautiful. Lyra, I love what you're doing. And I love this next stage of your work because it's really thought provoking. Where are we going? And what does it mean to be a human being in this next stage of life? the world almost thank you yeah thank you Lyra if people want to find out more about your work and also about these wonderful projects where can they go I think the best way to find me is to go to lyrak.com lyrak.com and then you will have links to my other my projects my other sites my um, school uh, lots of free resources. Actually, if you go to School of Inspired Life, that when you will see those hidden secret resources, that's got a lot of business teachings, a lot of, uh, you know, about midlife crisis. We have um, just teachings that I've done in the past years and years and years of working and communicating with my audience and creating work in response to what people tell me about, right? And what I know about them. So yeah. it's like, uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of resources for anybody who wants to fill up, understand themselves better and 
you know, find that second breath. So I'm, I'm so excited now to, to, to come out on, on the other side of it. And it's been just recent. Like I feel completely different energy and I feel that I found that second breath. So I, I feel now much more integrity when I'm talking about it because I've been talking about it, but I, I was like warning everybody. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle. Now I can say, yeah. I think I've, I've got it. I'm so, <laughs> so this is why I'm like, <laughs> have faith if you feel, but, but ultimately don't, don't just, don't give up. Don't just sit there. Don't think that it's like, it has to be long or it has to be anything. You just have to, um, I like, I feel like have that futuristic, maybe mindset where you do care about yes. your future. You, you do ask yourself, well, you know, I have another 20, 30, 40, 10 years, five yes. years. I don't know how long you have, but, but I have those years. What am I going to, what am I going to, what do I want to experience? And I think that question will pull you towards, okay, well, I don't really have time to waste. No, like, exactly. Bring it on. Let's do something. <laughs> Let's have fun. Exactly. I love that. I love that message. Let's have fun. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lyra, for sharing your journey and your thoughts and your and your knowledge and wisdom about this journey that is midlife. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was amazing. I love your website, your your Thank podcast. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.